My name is Mark Buckner. I work with a, a lot of different things here. And uh, there are no really good baseball players in my family. Some of them have made serious mistakes in the past, but uh, actually I, I've had that happen about a dozen times since in the last year. And, you know, giving my ID out to someone, Buckner, and, you know, so I get an education on a regular basis. So as you, how many people are from Boston and know what I'm talking about? Okay, just a handful of you. All right. Okay, for the rest of you that need more education in baseball lore, we can talk later. Today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Over the course of the last month and a half or so, a lot of the focus is, is toward the beginning of the year. So we've got new people coming in, a lot of desire to connect people in a real basic way and and uh, so we had fellowships out here, and we've had teaching on, on uh, who we are. And as we move into the fall, it moves a little bit more toward a discipleship focus. Not, not that we don't learn the basics again and again, but I, I hope today is going to be a challenge for all of us to, uh, to see some of, uh, again, basics in many ways, because I believe this teaching is is very foundational. We need to know who Jesus is as Lord and Savior, and that we need to understand God's power toward us and in us to live that life out. But this is something that I'd like, hopefully, for it to be a part of your own toolkit, that it's something that, that you use in your life and sharing with others and saying, you know, whatever you're struggling with, have you learned how to receive God's empowering presence? We, we have this... This Bible that God has given. And we, we do a strange thing as Christians. A lot of times we, be, uh, we give our life to Jesus. We, we walk into that relationship with grace. And then we think it's all about us making it happen. And so we are saved by grace and then we live by works. We're saved by grace and then we say... You know, I, I've got to jump to a certain level. I have to perform for God in order for Him to bless me. But we are saved by grace, and we live by grace. We're saved by faith, and we live by faith. Not by works, lest any man should boast. King James Version. So, the person of the Holy Spirit is God. There's so many people that, you know, I, I grew up in a... Uh, pretty straight traditional Baptist background, and we heard about Jesus, but we didn't hear about the Father that much, or the Holy Spirit. And people in a Catholic background have heard about the Father. But again, it's like the Holy Ghost. It's like, something out there, kind of strange. Let's stay close to the Father, you know. Let's not get out into any of that other stuff over there. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send one. And he is going to be with you and in you. And so this life that we have, walking with Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, that is what makes us unique. That is what is unique about followers of Jesus, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And uh, I know that that can be a complex subject in many people's minds, the Trinity, but uh, there is so much depth there that we need to understand, and, and today we're stepping off a little bit more into that. Now, I'm going to give you a little background. First, we're going to start in the Old Testament, and, and uh, there's one passage where it was prophesied that there was going to be something that was going to happen. In Joel 2:28, he says, Afterwards, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I'm going to emphasize this in a, a couple of different times, but something that's really interesting here uh, is that we are saved by the Holy Spirit. He takes out this heart of stone in us, this hardness, this resistance, this fear, and he puts the want to in you. He gives you a heart of flesh. It's malleable. That can that is responsive. It's, it's his heart, really, that he puts in you to want what he wants, to desire what he desires. And this work, that part of what we're talking about today is the power of God on us. So there's a work within and, a, and upon us. In the, uh, in the Gospels, I'm going to blast through these real quickly. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, there's a, a place, this vignette about John the Baptist. So Jesus has not yet been baptized. John is baptizing in the Jordan River. And, and here's what happens. John gets up and says, Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance. So that was... That was what he was doing. He was calling people to repentance, and he was putting them under the water, and uh, it was about turning from their sin. Jesus had not been crucified, no death, burial, and resurrection yet, but there was a, a key point. Their baptism, that's kind of interesting to me, The baptism was already a part of that culture. But he says, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, fire, that's interesting. Mark 1.8, again, John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but he, who is he? Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, I like it when there's, Lining up passages. John 3.16, let's go to Luke 3.16, see what that's got for us. I'll be, I, I, I think that's what's next going to be in major stadiums across the United States. Guys with signs, Luke 3.16. Okay, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Well, wrong passage. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, okay, John Baptist said it's coming. Jesus said it's here. Acts 1, 4 through 5. Jesus is resurrected. He's got, uh, he's doing amazing stuff. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for this gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look over. Acts chapter 2. So what's all this about? What does it look like? It's prophesied in the Old Testament, prophesied in the New Testament by John. Jesus is saying it's going to happen. These guys go off and uh, get in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. They're praying. They're working through a lot of different things. I like to think they're, they're dealing with each other's uh, offenses. There's a lot of forgiveness going on. Imagine this community event that's happening after Jesus has died, buried, resurrected, and there's something coming. They don't know what that is exactly. And we see in Acts chapter 2, it says, the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I, went, I, I, I forgot my uh, little illustration I was going to bring. I was going to bring a, a pitcher and a little bitty tiny glass and fill the little glass up with water saying, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in us. And then I put that little glass inside that and say, and we are baptized into the Holy Spirit. He is in us and we are in Him. And so there's this immersion, this soaking. It's not just inside of us, but something that um, came on them. And it was, it was really visible. It was kind of interesting. You know, it wasn't like, hmm, that was nice. Um, violent wind. We had a situation like this happen. And I, I lived in Indonesia for a few years. And we had, every once in a while, we had something really peculiar happen. And we, in this one place of, uh, where the gospel had never taken root, there were no previous believers ever in history in this one island, in this one area. And a number of people came to the Lord. They went to a valley that was uh, a hidden place to do this baptism. And while they were baptizing, they said this wind just started swirling around. It's like it wasn't coming through. It was the presence of God in that place. Now, what was the result of that? The fear of the Lord. They came away going, God is real. Whoa. Now, that was especially important. It's important for all of us, but it was phenomenally important with this community because within months they were in persecution where a number of their homes were burned. God said, I am with you. My presence is here. And he did it in a really dramatic way. So, we were in awe of that. What are a couple of other ways? Look in Acts chapter 10. There's a guy named Cornelius who was a, a Roman centurion. And kind of an interesting story. Peter has this vision. Cornelius has this vision. God speaks to both of them. Peter goes all the way from Joppa up the coast of Israel to the north. 
And uh, he, he goes into this guy's house, and he's gathered his whole extended family, friends. The, crowd, the house is full. And while Peter is preaching, it says, the Spirit came on them. And uh, so, Acts 10, 44-46, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. So, again, uh, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So, this is interesting. The Jewish followers of Jesus went to a Gentile family, and that was so strange that God had to give an open vision to Peter just to get him to take that step. It was not like, ah, you know, I wonder if I should go do that. He said, this is a big deal. So, boom, God's speaking really loudly. They go up there, and the Jewish believers have a reference point of how God works in their lives. And while Peter's preaching, while he's speaking, he was, he was not at the invitation yet. He hadn't given the response time. The music had not been cranked up in the back of the guitars, you know, going. None of that has started yet. But the Spirit of God came on them, and the Jews are going, look at that! Just like us. They saw something happen. They saw the Holy Spirit at work. What did they see? They saw manifestations of the Holy Spirit, people speaking things out. I think they, they saw God, you know, we, we don't have it really accurately displayed here on uh, what their faces look like or uh, a lot of different things, but they saw something. Acts 19. So this is, this is what happened. It was prophesied, it didn't happen. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them. This is interesting. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, Huh? Never heard of that before. Holy Spirit, okay? And Paul said, what baptism did you receive? We received John's baptism. What was that? Baptism of repentance. So we don't even know if they really got a full understanding of the gospel, but they did understand something's going on, and they, they, they were people that were connecting with the body of Christ, uh, Paul found these guys. He was going straight for them, so he wasn't, uh, it wasn't specifically an evangelism point. He says he found some disciples. And, and Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, um, I'll just point out a couple more verses. I'm going to go through this really quickly, just reference 
because I think I've already discussed this, but in John 14, 17, it says, The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And then this is the passage. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. In Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you are born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. But then it's interesting, uh, the Spirit upon. So in the Old Testament, we have Samson. Spirit came powerfully on him. What did he do? It's a, it's, it, it was for action. Power on came for ability. Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the Spirit and gave him revelation, this vision of the dry bones. Joel 2.29, I read that earlier. Even on my servants, men, and I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Luke 3.22, the Holy Spirit descended on him. This is speaking of Jesus. And in Acts 1.8, you will receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And people get a bit confused, frustrated, have a lot of different experiences because we, we have this work of character inward and this ministry of power outward. And I, it, is, it is confusing at times, but uh, because we have people that know Jesus, maybe have key leadership positions, have done the works of Jesus in powerful ways, and then they mess up. They sin. There's a major character flaw in their life that is revealed. And you might go, well, you know, that person blessed me. There was something good that happened in their life. Uh, It impacted my life. Were they ever saved? Whatever was going on there. We try to separate out this flaw from leaders, or maybe in your own life, we're saying, can I really experience power and not have my act all together? What do you think? Jesus can use you and you're, you don't? You're not completely perfect? That can be confusing. But that's called the grace of God. He is working in you, and you're not finished yet. Does that mean we satis- we're satisfied with the lack of character development in our life? Make us holy, Jesus. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I, I, my children pray that for me. Jesus, help him. <laughs> so... <clears throat> There are a few things right in here that we need to understand that I think are very normal blocks for us to understanding what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our life. Number one, people have a problem with the whole concept of the supernatural. Now, I'm going to say a few simple things, and I, I have a habit at times, I'm, I'm trying to mature, but I... 
I, I, I listened to too much Monty Python when I was in high school. So that's really, really the basic root of it, and I've uh, been trying to be purified ever since then. But it's just like this British humor kind of sarcasm thing that comes on me every once in a while. And you'll just say, come out of him in the name of Jesus, whenever you see that. But, uh, um, but I, you know, when, when people deny, Christians deny the supernatural, I'm kind of going... Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, uh, heaven? You want to go there? Can you see it? You know, we live, we believe in this God who we can't see. I do. Give me an amen, somebody. <laughs> spirit. He is spirit. And those who worship him will worship in spirit and truth. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says there, is, there are uh, witnesses that surround us. There are people that see us. We can't see them. Angels, demons, all kinds of things going on. I'm having too much fun yet. This is dangerous up here. Oh, that's even more dangerous. Yeah, okay. Somebody say, Mark, just go ahead and have fun while you're doing this, you know? Just relax. Okay, I will. All right. So Jesus said things like, the kingdom of heaven is here. That it is near you. And... So, there, there are supernatural things that happen, even in the, you know, uh, there's, oh, yeah, it's a fun conversation, I don't think I have time for that, but uh, basically, what we, there is power even in the demonic realm. There's things that they can do, and uh, one example that I have of that, that's, that I, you know, it's movies, or some of you may have experienced real things, you know, things that move and no one was touching it, and uh, like a little plate moving or a little uh, an ashtray that moves, and everybody, if we, if we had some inanimate object on the floor here and it could move, you would all run screaming for the exits. I'm going to tell you, that is a cheap trick before our God, who parts water, oceans, who raises the dead. So there is a spirit realm, there's a supernatural realm. And so people can do little things and move things around. Our God creates universes. So he is the one who has power. So you have to get past this block in your mind that... uh, um, this, the spirit realm is something unhealthy, unnatural. It, it was here first. God was here first. Everything that is seen is, came, came out of that which is invisible. Other blocks that happen. You know, the whole, the whole thing of manifestations. People have a hard time with that. And I understand, again, you know, here, here in Boston, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to speak the language. I've, I see it on bulletins. I say, ah, a lot. You know, something, but I, 
if I even try to, to do it, that will be more embarrassing. But uh, we have, I'd say the majority of people in this town trust their minds more than their hearts or their spirits. In fact, uh, we might rank pretty high up there on the global demonic scale of intellectual pride. It is a stronghold in our city. That means a stronghold is something that is not the will of God that we think is impossible to change. So, the stronghold is that the natural is real and the spirit is not real. But, so in that whole realm, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12. All these different things happen. And in a lot of these passages, I said something, it, it, the Bible said, something about speaking in tongues or prophesying. And people, you know, we just kind of, warp out about all that stuff, and, and I, I just want to say the Holy Spirit does not control you unless, <laughs> in other words, you, you never does God ungraciously drive and manipulate your being. That really is more of a demonic type thing, but... You are also not in control. You're not in control making God do stuff. You're not out of control and forced to do anything. But there are things in the spirit realm that totally unlike. There was a, when I came to a certain age and started walking with Jesus and saying, okay, I believe this. I do not understand it. Teach me then that was a beginning point. And just studying, reading, okay, I don't know what that is. But, uh, uh, but we do see that God manifests himself in many different ways. So don't get stuck there, but don't block it. Don't, sit, don't put a rule in front of God. Here's where some people have a problem I've seen, and I'll talk to them and they'll say, I won't do this. And I said, if you make a rule, you have put something up as a standard between you and God. When you say, I won't, all of a sudden I go, oh, I wish you hadn't said that. Now you're going to have to. (laughs) Because Jesus is Lord. And he might have to prove that to you again right now. <laughs> so all you have to do is say, Uncle, right from the beginning, do whatever you want to, Jesus, Holy Spirit, work. So things that block us, it's not for me, it's not God's will, I already asked, nothing happened. I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional, you know, I'm not one of those emotional types. Lord, heal their emotions. They need emotions if they're not emotional. We are whole beings. And that is part of it. So, uh, but yeah, we are different personalities, and so we react to things in different ways. 
Another block in people's mind is like, oh, is this like a first and second class Christians? People do, some people do this and other people do that. No. You know, I, I come from a couple of generations of godly believers that have, are all over the chart on this whole thing theologically. And, uh, and I have great honor and respect who would not walk identically with me theologically. Now, they're Bible believers. I'm not talking about uh, the character of Jesus, the sovereignty of God. I'm not talking about um, uh, the reality of the person of Jesus. I'm talking about some of the different ways where we walk this out. Now, um, I know there are a lot of different conversations that we can have on this subject. And I, I love any discussion that God could bring. And, and so maybe after the service, if a few of you would like to talk, I really enjoy answering questions, enjoy interacting, praying with people. I think that, that um, that's very important to not be pushy in anything about the character of God. But I would, I would say, in, in general, when people, when I talk to people, they say, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? And I say, you don't have to. You get to. He welcomes us. He welcomes us. So we're, we're going to welcome him. I want the band to come up here. And I'm going to go over a passage, Luke chapter 11. Now this is a very familiar passage. It's interesting how it starts off with uh, the Lord's Prayer from the the Gospel of Luke. Then down in the fifth verse, there's a something, uh, a passage encouraging us for perseverance in prayer. Then we get down to the eighth verse. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened. So I'm thinking, you know, what, what are we talking about here? There's a lot of different ways to apply this passage. You have a need? You have a need in your life? God wants to, he wants to meet your need. He's a good father. But what, what's the need? What's the need here that he's emphasizing? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it will be given unto you. Some of us here uh, need to realize that though you had an experience with God once in your life, and I've, I've interacted with people, um, classical Pentecostals, and just like they can say, I got saved on this day, they'll say, and this is when I, and they, they, they put it into a verbiage, and I, I have wonderful Assembly of God friends, that uh, to say this, and they can say it so fast and so fluidly, you think it's like one word. Baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Spirit uh, with tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And uh, you know, they say, "I had this experience. Oh, it was so wonderful." And I say, "Awesome! How, how's that working for you right now?" Did you have an experience with God one time? And you said, okay, got that. Now I'm going to start living my life in my own strength again. Or do we say, as it says in Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk. I want to tell you guys, do not get drunk. You hear me? It's not good. Don't get high. Don't get drunk. Anybody need a dad to tell him a few things? <laughs> Don't do that. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians. Be filled. And I didn't make very good grades in English, but someone explained to me that that be filled, now it's someone... It's present tense, keeps happening. What is that? So it's be being filled. What is that in, in English grammar? Present progressive. So we got a present, is that right? Present progressive verb here. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Tomorrow get filled. Next week get filled. And here, here's the bad news. Turn to someone next to you and say, you leak. You know, somehow God made us to where we don't get this deal and then walk on alone. It's ongoing relationship with him. It's just like food. He's, he provides, we eat, we need fresh manna for today. And the work of His Spirit, you leak. Justin, sorry to tell you this, you leak. But He will fill you again, brother. He will fill you if you ask Him. And uh, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand right now. Some of you are really dry. 
and you need to be completely surrounded over, above you, below you, beside you, before you, behind you. Holy Spirit, fill my life within me. I am yours. You know, some people would say, oh, that's the lordship of Jesus. And I'd say, very, very often that's true. When people finally say, you know, this is, this is not a part of our vocabulary or anything. Like, I got saved and then I made Jesus Lord. I, I don't know what to do with that. That's not, I see we are called to be disciples. We weren't called to get fire insurance. You know, we were called to walk and to live with Jesus. And we are called to live that out with the power of his presence. So, you may never have taken that step. You know, someone say, Lordship, complete surrender. I give you everything, Jesus. Fill my life. Soak me up. If you've never done that before, you need to do that today. You really, really need everything that God has for you. Zero resistance to the Holy Spirit. Why, why do you want to resist the Holy Spirit? Why? Maybe there's a fear in your life. You're thinking, I know how to do this. If I'm in control, I can, I can do the right things. I'm sorry. It's... I, I pray for God's understanding and revelation and mercy in your life that you'll see you can't do this on your own. You need to rip the steering wheel off and hand it to Jesus. For those of you who have done that in the past, don't say, wow, five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I had this experience. Say, what have you done for me lately? What has the Holy Spirit done in you lately? How is he working in your life now? Now, I have some people that have prayed with others. There's examples in the book of Acts where people laid hands on people. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, just a few of uh, folks. Maybe you got an email from John of last week or uh, equipping team or... Uh, some of the life group leaders. Y'all just get on the side over here. Anytime that we're ministering to people, you know, different things happen. And so I, I want Jesus to be the focus and not what's going on in different places. That in your own heart, you are you're pressing into him and responding to him. And I want to welcome you. We're going to worship for a little bit here. And if you want someone else... You just want a place where I want someone to pray with me. I need to interact right now. Then any of these folks can pray with you. It's a, it's a wonderful and powerful gift to connect with someone else, another believer, and ask Jesus to work in your life in that way. Or you might, you know, what we've used this place here for is, is a response. It's not because this carpet has any magical powers. It's because you need action. Your own will is something happens inside of you when you move from where you are 
and come forward and you kneel or open your arms up to God, you are saying, all of me, or I am dry, I need this, or whatever, or Jesus, be my Lord. So the action is not for, some, for me or the band or anybody in this room. The action is for you to connect, to press in in your will deeper into God's heart. We're going to worship and let you respond. You may be kneeling. It may be talking to somebody. It may be whatever. We just say, follow me in prayer right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You are God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are Creator God. The Spirit, it is you that was hovering over the deep. In Genesis 1, 2, it was you, it was you. Creative power of God. Not some separate force. Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. And so we recognize that you bring power. You bring life. And we need your life, Lord. We need you so much. All right. Be free to respond to the Lord in any way he leads you. Worship. Pray where you are. Come to the front.